We are all part of a chain. It's the chain of our Jewish tradition from generation through to generation. Each and every one of us has an enormous privilege to receive that baton from the past and to carry it through to the future. Welcome back to another episode of the Korean Podcast. And this one is a special one. We have been on the road before for a Korean Podcast, but we've never been in the air before for a Korean Podcast. Uh, in today's episode, Alex and I uh, were in London uh, for Mizrahi UK's Day of Inspiration and had the chance to ask our question for this season uh, to teach us the Torah standing on one leg to Chief Rabbi Sir Ephraim Mervis. Uh, it was a huge pleasure to join uh, the participants of the Mizrahi UK Day of Inspiration, to have them as our uh, live audience in the room, and to hear from the Chief Rabbi his Torah and his thoughts, both for his community of Anglo Jewry in the Commonwealth, but also for world Jewry as well. So without further ado, here is our conversation recorded live in front of a live studio audience. Uh, with Chief Rabbi Sir Ephraim Mervis teaching us the Torah al-Regal Achat, standing on one leg. Welcome to this very special episode of the Koran Podcast being recorded live here at the Mizrahi UK Day of Inspiration. If you don't believe us, here's the live audience. <laughs> That's all the listeners at home. And uh, to make this even more special and significant, we are very honored to be joined by Chief Rabbi Sir Ephraim Mervis, the Chief Rabbi of the United Hebrew Congregations of the Commonwealth. Um, our audience here already heard that um, both Alex and myself have special connections uh, to Kinlos um, and with Rabbi Mervis. So this is definitely a, a home game for us um, in, to a certain extent. Um, Alex mentioned before that uh, Chief Rabbi Mervis was his Masada Kudoshin. I actually got married in this room. Um, uh, so this is, uh, it's really, uh, really amazing to be here in Kinlos for the Mizrahi UK Day of Inspiration and to be joined by Chief Rabbi Mervis. So thank you so much for joining us, Chief Rabbi. So to get started, we're going to ask you our question for this series. Can you teach us the Torah while standing on one leg? Al-Regal Achat. Hi, good morning and uh, hello, Alex and Aryeh. A huge shukach to the two of you for everything you're doing and particularly to Koran. Uh, giving such a significant contribution to the contemporary and future uh, worlds within Am Yisrael. I and my office enjoy our collaboration with Corin, uh, and we're in awe of the enormous successes that it has. So, to answer your question, one word. I suppose after this one word you can all go. <laughs> one word, achrayut, responsibility. And in respect of our responsibility, I would like to dwell with you on seven concentric circles. You know, on Yom Kippur, when we go through the Avodah of the Kohen Gadol in the Kodesh HaKodashim, we see that he prostrated himself three times. On the first occasion, it was Ani Oveti, for himself and his family. On the second occasion, it was himself and his family and his tribe. And on the third occasion, it was for the whole people. And similarly, in this fashion, I believe that we need to have achrayut, responsibility, first of all, to Hashem. Secondly, 
I need to have responsibility to myself. Thirdly, my family. Number four, my community. Number five, my people. Number six, Medinat Israel. And number seven, the whole world. Thank you, Ramon Abbas. Um, I mean, now we move on to the unscripted questions. Um, I suppose, uh, the Chief Rabbi, your, your career has been um, varied. Uh, you know, coming from South Africa, uh, spending time as a rabbi in Ireland, uh, the Chief Rabbi of Ireland, then here at Kinloss, uh, and now as the Chief Rabbi. Um, how has your experience through childhoods as a pastoral leader um, and now as a chief rabbi, how has that framed um, this, these seven concentric circles of Ahrayat? My own personal life story has everything to do with uh, these seven themes. And if I could just start off with the first one, responsibility to Hashem. Now, in our benching, we say, Let us find grace and favor in the eyes of Hashem and people. It's based on a verse uh, in Mishle, Perigimel, Pasuk, Dalit. And here we are saying that we want to be popular. We want to find grace and favor first in the eyes of Hashem and afterwards in the eyes of other people. My primary consideration always must be, what does Hashem expect of me? I have a direct responsibility to Hashem. And ultimately, a lesson of my life is that the more we respect the word of Hashem, the more other people will respect us. And perhaps the best example of this is what has transpired over the past weekend. That's not this one, but the one before. When the Jewish community showed that we want to respect Shabbat. We want to respect our laws. There are things we can do and we can't do. We want to pay uh, the utmost respects to our monarch. And the result was that Buckingham Palace wanted to do whatever they could to respect our wishes. And therefore, at every possible stage, the invitation by the king and queen to my wife and myself to spend Shabbat uh, in St. James's Palace, the uh, extraordinary uh, moment when in the coronation proceedings all microphones were turned off in order that the greeting that Iron Faith leaders gave to the king would not be uh, heard because it was Shabbat, so that no PA system uh, was being used, uh, together with numerous other examples. Uh, if, if I could just cite one, when I was walking down the mall in order to, to reach the abbey, the people who were shouting enthusiastically, Shalom, 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 and then the odd Shabbat Shalom. And by the way, I realized any Shalom was from a non-Jewish person. Shabbat Shalom was from a Jewish person. And the amount of Shaloms by far <laughs> were more than the Shabbat Shaloms. But enormous warmth and respect when we follow the word of Hashem and when we show our responsibility to Him, people will respect us. So looking at that, that feeling of responsibility to ourselves and to Hashem, um, does that then reflect outwards? I, I think perhaps many of our listeners at home um, who aren't in the UK um, may not be aware of just the role that the monarch plays and the relationship that the monarch has with, with the Jewish community uh, here in England, uh, or the whole of the UK and the Commonwealth. Um, as in something that I found very inspiring watching it from Israel was as soon as King Charles became King Charles, and the chief rabbi was invited uh, for a, uh, a reception or a tea on a Friday afternoon, and the king sent you home 
to light Shabbos candles. Um, or my wife. Or your wife. <laughs> um, so how does the responsibility, respecting Hashem and respecting ourselves, how does that translate uh, outwards? And how does that translate for someone uh, like yourself in, in a leadership position? So when people see that we are individuals of faith, when we are consistent and we show no exceptions, when we show that there is a primary purpose of our lives, uh, and that is translated into menschlichkeit, into decency, in being good people, good citizens, loyal to the royal household and to the nation, then they're impressed. And you can actually see how palpable that sensation is right now. Earlier this week, um, I held a reception for newly married couples. So because married couples register in our office, as the two of you would know, so we decided to invite all the married couples from the past year uh, to come to a reception which I hosted. Uh, it was a fantastic event. And there was only one subject they wanted to discuss, which was the coronation, which had taken place a few, weeks, a few days before. But I picked up on, on certain sentiments. For example, some who said, we're never going to be shy again in winter on a Friday afternoon to ask to go home early. And another person said, is Shavuot coming up? I've got university exams which are on the Yontav. I won't mind. I'll be courageous enough to mention I can't write it because I'm Jewish. And the reason is people now know about Shabbat and they're respecting the Jewish people for it. So certainly when we show respect to our faith, to our God, other people respect us. So you mentioned before that um, you're meeting with married couples. Um, I guess that takes us nicely to the next concentric circle you mentioned in terms of responsibility to the family. Um, what, what, what is it about that that you see as well as the next step in this, in this seven-step process? So in the first instance, let's discuss my responsibility to myself before I get to my family. On so many instances, I find that people are absolutely extraordinary in their empathy and their sympathy, going the extra mile for the sake of others. And sometimes they don't look after themselves properly. You know, the mitzvah of the Torah is love others like yourself, which essentially means that the love that you have for yourself is more important than others because you're comparing the love you should have for others for yourself. Here I'm not saying it in a way whereby we should be arrogant. But rather, we need to look after ourselves. And that's why Hillel said, If I'm not for myself, then who is going to be for me? And it goes beyond simply caring for myself and being responsible to my health, to my needs, to my future. We also have to be responsible to our souls. Who is the real me? And to what degree am I enabling the real me to experience this world and for the world to experience the real me. If you go to the world of sculpture, and let's take a, a great uh, sculpture, let's say Michelangelo's David. What was Michelangelo's greatness? So the regular way we explain it is yesh me'en. He created David out of nothing. Beforehand there was nothing, and now this is incredible sculpture. But actually there's a better way of explaining it. And that is to say, Michelangelo took a huge block of stone and he chiseled away to remove all the unnecessary parts until he revealed David. So David actually was always there, 
Michelangelo's greatness was that he removed the unnecessary pieces to reveal David who was there. And similarly, we have that responsibility to remove from ourselves, from elements of our character and our conduct, all that which is hindering us, getting in the way, stopping us from being our true selves. And actually, there's a word for it, tshuva. This is the essence of what tshuva is. It's not repentance, it's tshuva. I'm returning to myself. I'm enabling me to be the person HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted me to be by placing me in this world. I have that responsibility to myself at a physical level, but more importantly, at a spiritual level, and now the family. <laughs> and I find that in the same way as we often ignore ourselves, as communities and as a nation and as a society, we far too often ignore the role of the family. Because the family, without any doubt, is the key arena within which we play our Judaism. We are people. If you have healthy families, then you've got a healthy society. And in fact, one of the basic reasons why our society is facing so many numerous challenges is because the family is under threat. There are so many challenges to traditional family life. There's an old story about the mythical town of Chelm. Um, and uh, it's about the only bridge that existed in Chelm. So there was a deep valley with one single bridge going across. And uh, people noticed some cracks in the bridge and they did nothing about it. And then some people were tripping, tripping over, the, uh, tripping over the, the cracks. And some of the horses were stumbling down. And then the cracks became wider and then some of the horses actually were falling off the bridge until eventually the gap was so large that there was a danger that people would fall down and uh, could be seriously hurt, if not worse. So the uh, Council of Chelm sat in an all-day session in order to determine what they would do. And at the end of the day, they decided unanimously that they would build a hospital in the valley under the bridge. <laughs> I believe that to some degree, that's what's happening within our communities right now. The bridge is the family. If the family unit is strong, if there is committed Yiddishkeit within our mishpachot, everything else will be in place. And you asked me about my own upbringing. When I was uh, at the most impressionable age, um, I was growing up in South Africa. My father then uh, was a rabbi. His very first position was in a town called Benoni, just 20 miles outside of Johannesburg. And uh, ours was just about the only Frum family amongst 300 families. And why am I so committed today? Because it was because of the strength of my family. The love that I experienced for Judaism. I recall so clearly there was a news broadcast and the newscaster said that there had been um, an attack on Israeli soldiers on the Golan Heights, and one Israeli soldier was killed, and immediately my mother burst out in tears. That's the environment in which I was raised. So my love for fellow Jews, my love for Medinat Israel, my attitudes concerning life are rooted in strong family. And... Uh, you know, people call upon us in our shuls, our schools, our community centers, our youth movements. What are you doing for all these wayward Jewish youth? Now, they are right. We have to be doing everything we can within our Jewish organizations. But in the first instance, please 
Don't call upon us to be the hospital for everything that's gone wrong as a result of irresponsible parenting. We need, in the first instance, to have strong, committed Jewish families. That's our responsibility. And obviously, I guess, looking in terms of your personal journey, you then took those messages that you got from your family and you used that to dedicate your life to communal service, both uh, on, a, on an individual community basis as a, as a, from, as a pulpit rabbi, but also now as, as chief rabbi. And how did you take those messages that you mentioned from family and bring it into community service and community leadership? So here we come to responsibility to community. And in the first instance, we are so blessed to have communities. It's one of the prime lessons of COVID. God didn't create us to be people who would live in self-imposed islands, disconnected from others. And within the fabric of our society, the concept of community has become significantly weakened. There were times when you had a modern equivalent of the ancient well. You know, you, you read in the Torah, people used to gather at the, at the well place. You know, that's, that's where they socialized. That's when the, where they connected. This used to be the local post office. It used to be the local bank. It used to be certain centers. You know, when we um, first moved into our home in Hendon, um, soon after I became chief rabbi, Valerie and I decided that the very first act of hospitality we would show would be to our neighbors. So we invited all 34 families living on our cul-de-sac in order to come to a Sunday afternoon tea. It was a fantastic event. But we found it was helpful to introduce ourselves to them. But there was a far more important reason, which came unexpectedly. They were introducing themselves to the others. They didn't know each other, because today, You'd probably know those to your right and your left and maybe the people across the road, but that's about it. We get out of our houses, into our cars, off we go. There's no sense of local community and we're blessed to have community. The power of Kehillah is, enorm is enormous. But it's also important for us to define who belongs within that community. One of my favorite messages comes from a Mishnah, Masechet Sotah, Perik Tet, Mishnah Tet Zayn, where signs of the ikvah to the Mashiach, the fact that the Mashiach is about to come, signs are given, and one of them is Penei Hador Kifnei HaKelev. The generation has the appearance of a dog, but most of Amafashim say Penei Hador means the leadership of the generation has the appearance of dog. What exactly are they getting at? So the Kotzke Rebbe, Rebbe explains beautifully. He says that when a shepherd goes out to tend his or her flock, they take a sheepdog with them. The role of the shepherd is to look after the sheep who will graze, who will drink. The role of the sheepdog is to stay on the periphery, to look out to guarantee that none of the sheep stray from the, from the fold. And if anyone does, they'll go after them and bring them back. So said the Kotzke Rebbe, traditionally, we only had one type of ro'e ne'eman la'adato a faithful shepherd to our people, a rabbi, a mechanech, mechanechet, those who were looking after, those who were committed. But he said, we have a new responsibility. And this was way before the modern day tshuva movement. And he said, we have to look after those who are straying from the fold. We have to run after them. We have to seek them out. We have to include them. And it's actually very interesting because sometimes 
we forget either this element or that element within our community. And I'll share with you an anecdote from, anecdote from this community which we're sitting in where I was the rabbi for, thank God, 17 years. So when I first came to Kinloss, I focused primarily on outreach within the community. Great programs, Baruch Hashem, to try and bring everybody in. And then a certain member of the community said, Rabbi, can I see you, please? When a member of the community says that, you know he's not going to come and say, you're amazing, everything's wonderful. <laughs> what was on his mind? What was his problem? He said, I'm from. My friends are from. You're not doing anything for us. And he was right. And as a result of that conversation, I started the very first Tafyomi in the United Synagogue here in Kinlos. We have to look after everybody. And there's a beautiful halacha in Shulchan Aruch Arachim with regard to Duchani. To what degree does the blessing of the Kohanim spread? So there's a crazy scenario that is presented. And I think probably it's the message of the scenario more than the practicality of it, which is in the minds of Chazal. Based on the Gemara Masech Brachot and the Shulchan Aruch says, Beit Knesset Shekulam Kohanim. If you've got a shul and a service within which everybody present is a Kohen, what do they do when they come to the time of Duchani? And the Halakha says if there are exactly ten of them, they all come up to the Amud, they stand with their backs to the Ark, and they bless. And the Shulchan Aruch asks, So who are they blessing? Empty chairs in that open space in front of them. And the answer is, Achehem Shebasadot their brethren in the fields, because their bracha goes beyond the shul towards every Jewish person, wherever they might be. And that, for me, is such a powerful message about who constitutes community. It's not only our members. It's not only those we see. When it comes to Yontav and Shabbos, when they're in their shops, they're on the golf course, on the tennis court, our bracha must be for them. Every single neshama counts. Everybody must be a part of community. We have achrayot, a responsibility to others. And by the way, the term achrayot responsible comes from the shoresh acher, which means somebody else. My primary responsibility in this world is to other people. Thank God in uh, 2023, um, community means something very, very different. And we find ourselves now, uh, yet again, um, in a time where the safety of Israel, the people in Israel and the state itself uh, is... Um, unfortunately um, threatened. Um, so how does, if I'm remembering correctly, the next concentric circle, with my eye on the clock, um, is Am Yisrael, is, is Israel, whether it be the state or just the people at large, those outside of our immediate community, how does it build uh, to there then? What, how, does, what, how does our individual responsibility, or to God, or to our families, or to our, com- our immediate community, how does that then build um, to Am Yisrael at large? I think that's a huge question, and Chazal actually used the terminology of achrayot of responsibility when they say, Kol Yisrael Every Jewish person is responsible for all others. We need to have Ahavat Yisrael, natural love of uh, other Jewish people. And it needs to extend to everybody. One of my favorite ideas emerges from the Haggadah of Pesach, where we say, The Torah addresses and includes four types of Jewish children. Why all the Echads? 
The Baal Agada should have stated, Chacham But the message is, Echad Chacham, the Chacham, the wise one, the good one, equals Echad, equals one. But the Rasha, the Jewish person who disappoints us, the Jewish person about whom we are hugely concerned, that person too is Echad. The Tum, somebody particularly simple, that person is also Echad. All of our efforts must be invested in those precious souls, and those who don't have to ask because they are so distanced from Am Yisrael, those who are they too are echad. We need to care about everybody. And again, one of my favorite Divrei Torah. You know, in Parashat Shmini, when the Torah presents to us the laws of Kashrut, when it comes to fish and animals, we have simanim signs. But when it comes to birds, there are no signs. There's a list of the trafe birds. If a bird is on the list, trafe. If it's not, it's kosher. Very clear, to this day. Now, one of the birds on that list is the chasida, the stork. What an amazing name to give a creature. The chasida, the pious one, the righteous one. But if that's the case, what's it doing on the trafe list? The Ramban tells us that those birds on the trafe list are birds which are naturally cruel. Most of them are birds of prey. So the Chidosh Harim, the founder of Gera Chassidus, explains beautifully, he says, the Chassidah is pious, it's caring, it's kind, but only to birds of its own feather. Towards other birds and other creatures, it acts with cruelty and disdain. Therefore, it's pious, but it's treif. And we see a lot of that. People whose piety, whose care, extends only within their own inner circle. But as far as those who have a different hashkafa, those who belong to a different group, who perhaps govern in a different shul, who might not be as from or more from, that's where it stops. That's treif. In order to live a kosher Jewish way of life, we have a responsibility to absolutely everybody else, and we have a responsibility to unity at this very time. I believe that with regard to what's happening in Medinat Israel right now, and within Jewish circles around the world, there are three key words which we have to focus on. And they are unity, unity, and unity. That's it. Far more significant than judicial reform, than other very important issues. We have to focus on the unity of Am Israel right now. And we're in the Omer. According to the United Synagogue custom, we're still in the Omer. <laughs> and uh, it is in this period that we're mourning as a people. Do you know that nearly two whole months of our calendar are devoted to teaching us about the perils of Sinat Chinam? The Omer period, the three weeks, Tzom Gedalia. And have we learned the lesson? No. Nearly 2,000 years have passed, and we haven't yet learned that lesson. And yesterday's Torah reading, the more we have, the closer we are, the more united we might be, the stronger we are as a people. So that is Am Yisrael. And then within Am Yisrael, we have a responsibility to Medinat Yisrael. How privileged we are to have Israel in our time. But we have to look at Israel not just as a geopolitical reality. It's the center of our faith. From the moment our faith was created, Hashem said to the founders of our faith, Lech Lecha, your place is in Israel. Israel is the home, the heart of Judaism. 
And that is why if people are anti-Zionist, they are anti-Jewish faith, because Israel is all about our very faith. And you know, we have a special connection with Israel. It's the connection of Torah. You recall how in Sefer Bamidbar it is described how two tribes decided to live outside of Israel, Ruvain and Gad, east of the River Jordan. And Moshe asked half the tribe of Menashe to join them. Why? Why was Menashe broken in two? The Netziv explains beautifully. He says, Menashe had the teachers within Am Yisrael. So therefore, Moshe wanted the teachers to come from Israel to the diaspora in order to educate, in order to teach. Menashe created that bridge between Israel and the diaspora, and the bridge was constituted of Torah, of Chinuch. So Baruch Hashem, we here in Chutz Laaretz are able to thrive and exist as a strong Jewish entity thanks to Torah Eretz Israel, the inspiration we receive from Israel. And in addition, how privileged we are if we choose to go on holiday to Israel, but even better, to make Aliyah. And uh, there is a bracha that we say in our benching, may the merciful one enable us to go to our country, standing up with pride. You know, there are some who say, what does this really mean? We shouldn't leave it, God forbid, to a time when we might be taken to Israel when we're horizontal. Let's make Aliyah when we're vertical. And that is within our grasp. It is within our capability. But more important than that, we need to stand up with pride with regard to Israel. Not to listen to what all the detractors say, born out of their sin at Israel, that as a result of our appreciation of how great Israel is, let's stand up with, proud, with pride, count the blessings of the state of Israel, its impact on the entire world, the connection we have with it. We have a responsibility to support Israel at this time. So on that topic of kind of bridging, um, I guess, the identity and being part of our communities here in the diaspora with the connections to Midian Israel, I mean, I think last week, just as a microcosm of that on the one, you know, at the beginning of the week or the end of the previous week and the beginning of last week, um, there was a great sense of, um, of, of Anglo-Jewish pride here in England. And then by the end of the week, I think everyone is now looking towards Medina, Medina, Medina Israel, looking at the news there. What, what advice or guidance would you give to community leaders or even just to members of the community in the diaspora about finding that balance between being proud members of the, their diaspora communities but maintaining a strong connection to Medina Israel? So first of all, when it comes to the reality of Israel, I'm not suggesting that we have to give a heksha to absolutely everything that is taking place. No country is perfect and Israel is not perfect. And we also have a responsibility to identify where the weaknesses might be. But overall, um, it's very much the story of the Miragli, of the spies who went into the Holy Land, where there were 10 spies who gave an irresponsible report. And despite their deafening noise, Kalev and Yoshua gave their responsible report and they said, Tova ha'aretz ma'od ma'od. Not just Tova ha'aretz, not just Tova ha'aretz ma'od. Tova ha'aretz ma'od ma'od. This land is very, very good. And I think we do have that, res that responsibility to remind the world, because 
all they need to do is to open their eyes to see the positive impact that Israel has on the world, uh, to appreciate what uh, a gem of a country Israel is and what a blessing it is to the whole world. And just building on that as well, you know, certainly I'm not speaking on behalf of Ari necessarily, but as, as an Oleh, as someone who has moved uh, to Israel, um, it does feel often that um, you know, Israel is held to a higher standard, both Latov Ulura, Israel is held, held to a higher standard, both in terms of the great things that it does, but Israel's detractors will use a double standard by which to judge, um, to judge the people and the, the government and the state of Israel. Um, how does one, and then sort of moving to the, to the last of, of your uh, seven circles, how does one take the responsibility that they feel towards themselves and all the way out to uh, Am Yisrael, Midian Israel, and how do we shine that outwards um, and show the responsibility that we have as Jews, being held to a higher standard by others and also holding ourselves to a higher standard? How do we shine that outwards um, and take responsibility for the world at large? I'm often in awe at the extent to which Israel, despite its small size and capacity, reaches out to help the rest of the world. We know for certain when there are natural disasters which take place, any kinds of tragedies, Israel will be amongst the very first to send its people there, sometimes at risk of life and limb, in order to help uh, other people. And there is a growing move in Israel to reach out to identify with the plight of people right around the, the globe. And I was so pleased that uh, at COP26 in Glasgow, when Naftali Bennett was then the uh, Prime Minister of Israel, and I met with him, his primary message from Israel was, we as Jewish people have a responsibility for the entire globe. And therefore, climate change is an issue which our Torah demands of us to take uh, action upon. So there's the well-known teaching of Rabbi Akiva, who said, Love others like yourself. This is the most important principle of the Torah. And Benazai in the Yerushalmi said to Rabbi Akiva, Yesh gadol There is a more important principle. And it's Breshit, chapter 5, verse 1, which teaches us, that every single human being is created in the image of Hashem. So what Ben Azai was saying to Rabbi Akiva was, your verse relates to Reacha. Love your Rea like yourself, which Chazal explained to mean Reacha b'mitzvot. Your neighbors, your fellows, who are equally commanded in mitzvot like you, meaning Vavtalu Reacha Kamocha includes only Jewish people. But from Sefer Breshit, we learn that every human being is created in the image of Hashem. And therefore, our love, our concern, our attention, and our help must extend towards every single person on earth. And Rabban Shimon Bar Yochai in Amidrash gives such a simple but powerful story. He said that there were people who went out on a day's cruise on a boat, and it was a very hot day. So uh, people were perspiring, and then some of the travelers noticed that one of the passengers was starting to drill a hole beneath his seat in the bottom of the boat. They said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I want some water to come on the boat in order to cool my feet. It's too hot. They said, but don't you realize what's going to happen? Too much water will come on the boat and it will drown us all. He said, well, I paid for my seat. I can do whatever I want here. <laughs> 
Now, Rabban Shima Bar Yochai is talking to us about confronting climate change, about our environment. Yes, I might happen to live here, and everything's all right for me, but it might very well be that my way of living poses a direct threat to people on the other side of the world with whom I have no connection, and not only at the present time, but in the generations to come. And that is why within the United Synagogue we've called our environmental uh, program Dorot, Generations, because we have to look after all future generations. That is our Torah responsibility, to till the soil, to work on Hashem's earth, to use it, and we have to protect it. So therefore, from Benazai we learn how we need to reach out with compassion towards every single human being, and from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, not only now, but in the future. And with regard to my own upbringing, I was blessed to be brought up within apartheid South Africa. It was an awful experience. It was very painful seeing a cruel regime in operation. But my wonderful parents brought my siblings and myself up to experience what is happening around us through the prism of Torah law and what Hashem demands of us to reach out, to confront evil, to stand up for the oppressed, and to guarantee that we, as Jews, are only fully responsible if our achrayut relates to every single person on earth. Chief Rabbi, marking this September 10 years as Chief Rabbi, um, looking back at your seven concentric circles of, of this message of achrayut, uh, looking ahead to the coming years, let's start, I guess, with a nearer concentric circle here, Anglo Jewry and the community of the Commonwealth, how would you like to see these, this message of Ahariyot brought about or spread within the community in the coming years? So let me share with you, Aryeh, um, a personal anecdote um, which uh, provides me with ongoing inspiration. So uh, just after we were married, my wife and I were blessed for the first two years of marriage to live in the Rav Ayudi, the Jewish quarter of the old city of Jerusalem. At that time, building was still in progress. Uh, they were discovering all types of things. And for those two years, my shul was the kotel. Just amazing, incredible. Shachrit Milcham Ayrev, I was there. And uh, I don't know if you know that uh, ever since the very moment on which we were privileged to have Yerushalayim uh, in its totality back in our hands in 1967, from that moment onwards, there has always been somebody at the Kotel. Uh, today, there's a Chevrat Mishnayot where they study Mishnah 24-7. Uh, but in those earlier years, it was just a, a loose, informal arrangement. You would never leave the Kotel alone. And there was always somebody there. So it was Purim, 1980. It goes back some, some time. And uh, I don't know why it is, but I've looked it up. And it's actually accurate that approximately once every three years, it snows on Purim in Yerushalayim. The city wants to dress up. And it looks immaculate. It's so beautiful. So 1980, there was a heavy snowfall on Purim. So it was coming towards the end of the day. I said to Valerie, I'm going down to the Kotel for my roof. She said, you're crazy. It's snowing. I said, yeah, but you know, I'm going for my roof. Um, she said, OK. So I made my way, and as I was coming towards the Kotel, the snow was falling, 
and I couldn't see anybody there. And then suddenly, somebody appeared, and he ran towards me, and he said, thank God you've come. And then he went off. <laughs> and there I was. I was davening at the Kotel. I was the only person there. And I recall to this day that particular tefillah. What a zuchot, what a privilege to be able to daven in that place, in, in that way. But I must tell you that after about half an hour, my prayer changed. I was praying for the next person to come. There weren't mobile phones anymore. Valerie would be worried. What is going on? And I needed to stay there. And then eventually, I saw somebody coming towards me. I ran to that person and I said, thank God you've come. <laughs> now, we are all part of a chain. It's the chain of our Jewish tradition from generation through to generation. Each and every one of us has an enormous privilege to receive that baton from the past and to carry it through to the future. And we're only as strong as the weakest link within our chain. And that's what was happening at that cartel. I was receiving a situation for somebody who came before me, and I passed it on to the person after me. That's the achrayut that we have. It's such an enormous privilege to be Jewish. It provides us with meaning and joy in life. But we need to use our Judaism with responsibility to guarantee the ongoing strength of all those principles, all those values within that traditional chain in order to guarantee our future. You're asking me about my plans, about what I can do. I can only do anything if everybody's with me. And we're blessed here to have an incredible British Jewish community. Baruch Hashem. What marvelous kihilot, what fantastic people we've got. And I know that all of you here are absolutely with me all the way in guaranteeing that all our levels of achrayut will be carried out in the most responsible way for the sake of our future, for the sake of the Jewish people's future, and for the sake of the future of our world. Chief Rabbi Moses, thank you so much uh, for spending time with us today on the Quran Podcast. As you mentioned, uh, the message that you gave to your community, to us sitting here in London at the Mizrahi UK Day of Inspiration, is, is as pertinent, as important to Anglo Jewry as it is to world Jewry as well. And we really appreciate you taking the time to share your Torah, our regalachat, with our listeners, not just here in London, but also around the world as well. So thank you so much, uh, Chief Rabbi Mervis. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Koran Podcast. Thank you again to Chief Rabbi Sir Ephraim Mervis for joining us and teaching us his Torah al Regalachat, standing on one leg, as well as to Rabbi Andrew Shaw and David Rubin and all the Mizrahi UK team for allowing us to take part in the Mizrahi Day of Inspiration in London. It was really a huge pleasure to be there, to work with our partners at Mizrahi, as well as the Office of the Chief Rabbi to make this very special episode possible. So thank you to everyone again. If you would like to get a special discount off your next order of Quran books at our website, quranpub.com, don't forget you can use discount code podcast at checkout to get 10% off the whole order on any of your books. And if you'd like to join us for the next episode, then we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another amazing episode of the Quran podcast, Al Rekalachat, standing on one leg. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>